Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. It is so great to worship with all of you today, all of you who are in the room. Uh, We're so glad you're here. All of you who are joining us online, it is so good to be with you as well. Today we are kicking off our October sermon series called Spiritual Things. One of the biggest uh, hit television shows in recent years is the Netflix original Stranger Things. Any Stranger Things fan in the room today? Anybody? Anybody watch that? Anybody like that? A number of you. I'm not a big Stranger Things fan, but I have to tell you, I watched the first three seasons, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to season four when it releases next year. If you're not familiar with the show, it's based in 1983, and it is a groundbreaking sci-fi that is all about a strange small town where the government is performing strange experiments, and and there's a group of friends, including one very strange little girl and a doorway into a very strange world, hence the name Stranger Things. Now, the larger theme of the television show, however, and and the reason it is grabbed, it has grabbed the attention of so many people, is the idea that there is more to this world than meets the eye. There is more to reality than what we perceive. There is more to human experience than what we think. And so we decided to do this series, and I gotta tell you, I wanted to call the series Stranger Things, but that would be a violation of all kinds of copyright laws if we did, so we didn't. Nevertheless, we decided to key on this idea that there's more to this life than meets the eye. There is more to reality than what we perceive. There is more to human experience than what we think. There is an invisible spiritual world, not just a visible material world. And so in this series, we're gonna talk about some of those invisible spiritual realities. We're gonna talk about things like heaven and hell. Things like angels and demons, things like the Holy Spirit, even things like baptism. You know, baptism, if you're outside of the church, baptism is kind of strange if you think about it. Dunk people in water? What's up with that? And what does the Bible say about these strange things, these spiritual things? Well, today we're talking about heaven and hell But really our primary focus is on heaven because there's a lot of confusion about heavenly things. One of my favorite theologians, Dr. Jack Cottrell, says this about heaven. He says, there is considerable speculation and lots of misunderstanding. Anthony Hokima, another respected theologian, rhetorically asks the following question. He says, are we to spend eternity somewhere off in space, wearing white robes, plucking harps, singing songs, and flitting from cloud to cloud while doing so? The rhetorical, even sarcastic nature of his question suggests there's not only more to this life than what we can see with our eyes, but there's more to heaven 
than what we typically think. And that brings us to our big idea for today. Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real, but it may not be what you think. As Christ followers, we affirm that heaven is for real, but as students of the scripture, we realize it may not be what we think. You know, one of the big questions people ask, and not just Christians, but all people everywhere throughout all time, one of the big questions people ask is, what happens after we die? Or or where do we go after we die? This is one of the biggest questions in all of human experience. And as a parent of four children, this is a conversation I've had many, many times, especially with my children who are so well acquainted with death, having lost three of their four grandparents, having parents in ministry and medicine. Daddy, where, where do we go when we die? Where is grandma now? Will we see papa again? Will we go to heaven when we die? Now, the answers to those questions actually depend on what is meant by the word heaven. There are two words for heaven that are used hundreds of times throughout the Bible, 673 times, in fact, 400 times in the Old Testament and 273 times in the New Testament. And so for the sake of our discussion today, we're gonna try to lump all 673 times into two categories or two kinds of heaven that are discussed in scripture. And those two kinds are the physical heavens and the spiritual heavens. And let's just start in Genesis chapter one with the physical heavens. The Bible begins in Genesis chapter one, verse one with the following words. It says, in the beginning... God created the what? Oh, you can do better than that. In the beginning, God created the? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. On 75 occasions in scripture, the words heavens and earth are lumped together and they most often refer to the heavens as the entire universe, heavens and earth, the heavens as the entire universe. One of the single most significant events in human history happened 52 years ago. Happened in July of 1969. You know what that event was? It's actually July 20th. 1969, that the Apollo 11 mission shuttled astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin to the surface of the moon. It has been 52 years since mankind first set foot on the moon. How many of you in the room remember that day? That was before my time. And how many of you know what Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin did when they landed on the moon? How many of you know what they said? How many of you know what were some of the first words spoken from the surface of the moon? Of course, you know Armstrong's famous first words. One, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And those famous words are forever etched in the memory of all mankind and will be for all time. But just six months earlier, 
There were other famous words spoken very near the surface of the moon during the Apollo 8 mission. As the astronauts orbited close to the surface, how many of you know they read Genesis 1 over the airwaves to a listening world? In the beginning, the whole world listened as it was read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The phrase heavens and earth does not contrast the spiritual world and the material world and does not contrast the visible world from the invisible world, but rather the phrase heavens and earth refer to the entire universe. Since from from our earthly perspective, the universe always seems to be above our heads, in the Bible, heaven is used for any aspect of the universe that is above our heads, the sun, the moon, the stars, the solar system, the galaxies, and beyond, like outer space. But it's not just outer space. The Bible also refers to the heavens as the skies above, the atmosphere around us. Genesis 1.20 refers to the heavens as the air where the birds fly. And Psalm 147 verse 8 as the place where the clouds form and where the rain comes from. The psalm says, God covers the what? Sky Hold on to that word sky. God covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and he makes the grass grow on the hills. And the word translated as sky in the psalm is the same word that is translated as heavens elsewhere. Both physically and spiritually, the heavens refer to what is above and beyond. And so the Bible uses these two ideas, both the physical heavens, that which is above us, and the spiritual heavens, that which is beyond us, interchangeably. And this is why in popular culture we talk about going up into heaven. This is why we so often imagine heaven as being in the clouds. This is why we envision hell as being the opposite of being down in the ground. Perhaps it's more appropriate to conclude that heaven and hell are not up or down, but all around. Especially as we move from talking about the physical heavens, the sky, the solar system, the galaxy, and the universe, to the spiritual heavens. And just as we can categorize the physical heavens into two groups, the entire universe and the skies above, so too can we categorize the spiritual heavens into two groups. And the first is the heavens as the invisible spiritual realm. Now, this is what the Stranger Things television show is all about. That all around us, there is some kind of dimension that exists that's real, but it's invisible to human eyes. Now, I know Stranger Things is science fiction. Nevertheless, the Bible affirms there are invisible spiritual realms and invisible spiritual realities, and you may not believe in them, and you may not see them, but the Bible affirms these things do exist. You know what else teaches or affirms or at least theorizes that there are invisible realms? Science. Physics, actually. In the world of physics, there are three dimensions, three observable spatial dimensions that are visible to our reality. But according to string theory in physics, there are actually nine dimensions to reality. 
Now, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a physicist, I'm not even attempting to explain these things to you, but I bring them up to illustrate how the idea of invisible realms and invisible realities isn't relegated to the world of science fiction, but is a very real possibility. And of course, the Bible teaches the same, that there are invisible, unseen realms and realities. And further, the Bible refers to these unseen realms, whatever they are, the Bible refers to them as the heavens. And the heavens, these unseen spiritual realms are the place, if you're taking notes, where God dwells. In the Lord's prayer, Jesus directs us to pray to our Father, where? Our Father in heaven. Where does God dwell? In heaven, in the unseen spiritual realms. Likewise, Ephesians chapter one, verse 20 says that Jesus is enthroned at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, I do think it's important to note that in Christian theology and Christian thought, these realms are not some uncreated eternal space, but they're actually part of God's creation. Just as God created the material world, the physical world, God also created the spiritual world. And just as God once chose to inhabit the material world through Jesus in human form, God also chooses to inhabit the spiritual world with his presence today. Therefore, it is correct to say that heaven is the place where God dwells. But there's more. Heaven is also the place where spiritual battles Take place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this For our struggle, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the, say it with me, spiritual forces of what? Where? the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Just think about that for a second. Evil in the heavenly realms. Now, this verse comes in the middle of a passage of scripture where Paul is telling Christians to put on the full armor of God, to be prepared for demonic attacks, to put your faith in Christ's victory over sin, Satan, evil, and death. And I just want you to think about spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How different is this image than our popular sanitized images of heaven? Mommy, what's heaven like? Well, dear... Heaven is where demons live and where they attack us with fear, doubt, temptation, frustration, and more. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I don't remember reading about that in the children's books about heaven. See, heaven is for real, but it's not exactly what you think. God is in heaven, right? 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 So is Satan. Angels are in heaven, right? So are demons. Now, if you're freaked out about angels and demons, then come back in two weeks because we're gonna talk about those things in week number three of spiritual things. But there's more things residing in heaven than just God, Jesus, angels, and demons. Heaven is also where our souls reside after our bodies die. 
There's a story Jesus told in Luke chapter 16 that we call the parable of the rich man and Lazarus that seems to indicate that when we die, our souls leave our bodies and reside in the heavenly realms. And in this parable, there's a poor beggar named Lazarus who lived in miserable conditions all the days of his life. In fact, he used to sit at the gates of a rich man and eat the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Furthermore, in the parable, when Lazarus dies, he is immediately in paradise, but when the rich man dies, he's immediately in torment. Notably, both of these men can see each other and speak to each other in this heavenly spiritual realm. But again, for Lazarus, the heavenly realm was paradise. For the rich man, the heavenly realm was torment. Now, there may be problems with interpreting this parable as literal, but nevertheless, this is the idea Jesus was working with. There's also this image of God's heavenly throne in Revelation chapter six, verse nine, where it says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. These, These believers who were killed for their faith, where their souls are after they die, in the heavenly realms with God. And so the unseen, invisible, spiritual realm, the heavenly realm is the place where God dwells, where spiritual battles take place, and where our souls at least temporarily reside after the physical death of our bodies. But I want you to notice, of everything we've shared today, none of them actually resemble the place when we think of, when we think of heaven. Did you notice that? What's that place? Streets of gold, pearly gates, eternal paradise, and so on and so forth. What's that place? Where is that place? And here's the answer. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The heavens that we think of when we tell our children about heaven doesn't exist. Not yet, anyway. The heavens that currently exist are the universe, the skies above, and the invisible spiritual world all around. But there is one more heaven, there is one more kind of heaven, and this is the one we think of when we tell our kids about heaven, and that is the heavens as our eternal dwelling place. And that place has not been created yet. If you read the book of Revelation, which I would encourage you to do, in fact, next week, our message is gonna be all about the book of Revelation. I would encourage you to read the book of Revelation, but I would also encourage you to think, you know what, I'm not gonna be able to figure this out and that's okay. Like when you read the book of Revelation, you say, I can figure it out. No, you can't. Theologians have been fighting over what it means for centuries and centuries and centuries. Do not try to read the book of Revelation and figure out what all the poetic language means because that's what it is. It's a kind of apocalyptic poetry. Even Jesus himself claimed ignorance on what some of the end times would look like. But read the book of Revelation and when you read the book of Revelation, get this message. Life is hard. Can I get an amen on that? Life is hard. Life is full of great tribulations and heartaches and frustrations, but don't give up because Jesus is coming back and when he does, it will all be worth it.
That's the message of Revelation. And then, in the last two chapters of Revelation, we see this final kind of heaven. It's actually called a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation chapter 21, verses one through four. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Now this is what we think of when we think of heaven. And someday, I have no idea when, I have no idea how far out, someday after this world, after this universe wraps up, when it rolls up like a scroll, when it, as they say, all goes down in flames, God promises to make all things new. There will be a new kind of world for us to live in with no ugliness or darkness. There will be a new kind of experience for us with no danger or discomfort. There will be a new kind of body for us, impervious to disease and death. And you can read all about this new heaven and this new earth in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. But you know what else you can read about in Revelation 21 and 22? Hell. Or at least what we think of when we think of hell. Hell. Revelation chapter 21, verse eight says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to what? The fiery lake of burning sulfur. The fiery lake of burning sulfur. Yeah, about that. That's definitely something we don't like to talk about, right? I mean, if that's you, I'm with you. I'd much rather talk about heaven than hell. More fun to talk about heaven than hell. Kind of cool to talk about heaven. Not so cool to talk about hell. And we're actually not gonna say much about hell today except this. Some of the same things we said about heaven could also be said about hell. For instance, it's an actual physical place. It's, it's a, a place in this universe, on this earth. Hell from the word Gehenna, which means the Valley of Hinnom was a very real valley during the time of Jesus. In fact, in Old Testament times, it was a place where children were sacrificed to Palestinian gods. In New Testament times, because of its pagan history, it was unclean and therefore it was used as a trash dump. In fact, true story, I have been to hell. I have driven along the Valley of Hinnom in Jerusalem. 
And so hell is a physical place on earth, kind of like heaven is a physical place we know as the universe, but hell is also a spiritual place. It is also part of the unseen spiritual realm. It is the place of torment where the rich man went in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And finally, just like the eternal dwelling in paradise, what we think of when we think of heaven hasn't been created yet. We could also say the eternal place of torment, the lake of fire hasn't been created yet. And then you might say, well, what's that place? What's that place like? Here's my answer. I hope you never find out. I hope we never, ever find out. And that brings us to our takeaway for today. Heaven is amazing and you don't want to miss out. Heaven will be amazing and you don't want to miss out a new kind of world, a new kind of human experience, a new kind of human body, no more tears, no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. God will dwell with us forever and his light will shine upon us forever. And yes, this city of God is described as having streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls made of jewels and precious metals. And whether that's meant literally or figuratively or poetically, it doesn't even matter. What matters is heaven is going to be awesome and you don't don't want to miss out. And yes, maybe the streets will be paved with gold, or maybe John was just making the point that the most valuable stuff on earth will be mere asphalt in heaven. What matters is it's gonna be awesome and you don't want to miss out. And I gotta tell you, if the streets are really made of gold, that's cool. I mean, that's really cool, but that's not the coolest Because when I see my mom and dad again, I'm not gonna be admiring the gold. I'm gonna be weeping with joy. And oh, by the way, that's not even the best part. The best part will be seeing our savior, Jesus Christ, who paid it all so that we could be there with him that is going to be, well, as they say, we can only imagine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, even those words take on new meaning today. Heavenly Father, we can only imagine what you have prepared for us in eternity. Today, as we discuss strange spiritual things, we pray that you would give us the faith to embrace them, to believe in them, and to put our hope fully in you and look forward to that day when we see Jesus face to face. We pray in his name. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.